Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, we tried to make it happen yesterday, um, but just couldn't quite make it happen. But today it is going to happen. Now, as a lot of you know, I'm a massive podcast listener, mainly the true crime stuff. But, well, maybe this could even be in the true crime category. I don't know. I've come across another podcast that's called Pieces of Silver. Pieces of Silver. And it unpacks the murky dealings, uh, the intricate dealings of the Silver Lake deal. All the stuff that I wanted to know, I am starting to know. I I think it's a six-episode series. I've listened to the first three. I've got one one more, which came out this week, um, yesterday or the day before, um, to catch up with. I'll do that over the weekend. Now, it's been put together by Trevor McEwen. Now, Trevor's a former CEO of the Warriors. He's been at New Zealand Rugby. He's a bit of a media personality. He's had high standing in the world of media and now he's become a podcaster pieces of silver it is called and we welcome him into the show now welcome and trevor just first of all how did this all come about thanks Stefan. nice to talk to you again um yeah what 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 persuaded me um well I, i i sort of write a weekly column on the business of sport for Business Desk, which is a subscription um, business site owned by NZME, uh, the Herald and Newswalk ZB's owners. Sorry to mention the opposition staff, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, basically I would, um, uh, I, I, I would occasionally offer a view on the Silver Lake thing. This was back when the deal was, you know, Clouded, they were still trying to get it over the line due to the players' association's opposition to the to the first deal. And at the time, I kind of felt like we're not really getting much information being shared with us, us being the the, the Kiwi sporting public by NZR. I wasn't really in a position to to do much about it, but I would opine from from time to time in the column that. The deal concerned me for certain reasons, uh, um, and uh, and I would get amazing feedback, Steph. Well, you know, lots of people reading uh, and all that type of thing, and the, the business desk uh, people said, you know, whenever we write about Silver Lake, there seems to be this fascination, this interest, and people can't get enough of it. They want to understand more of it. Could you look a little, little bit more deeply into it? And, and as I did, I kind of came to this conclusion, like you, Steph, I'm a big podcast listener. One of the favorite ones I like to listen to is called Business Wars. Yeah. It's a, an American one, you know, Nike versus Adidas, Honda versus Toyota, Pepsi versus Coke, that type of thing. And they're fascinating. I, I, I think we so rarely get to see behind the boardroom walls in business, even less so in sport, and even you know, less so in New Zealand rugby. It's mm. probably the probably the toughest one in the world to crack to go what goes on behind those boardroom walls. And I thought, I reckon the best medium for telling the story is probably a podcast. And if I can convince the key protagonist to talk to me, I reckon it might turn out all right. So um, that, that's where it came from. It's a six-part series. You, you listen to the first three um, 
Thanks for that. And, and episode four dropped this week, uh, stats the other day. So there's two to go. But I'm getting very good feedback on it, mainly because I think people, even now, still don't really understand what happened back then. Yeah, well, that was me, you know, um, and I'm in media and you, I read all the stories, but I just feel like, and that's why I've got you on, I feel like our listeners are going to learn so much more about um, the webs that were weaved and uh, maybe a few, not untruths, but a few truths dodged during the whole process. And, and you've got Rob Nickel from the Players Association. You've got David Kirk, who's part of that as well, and a very well thought of rugby man. And just as a listener and as a rugby fan myself, I was just sitting there going, you know, back when the Silver Lake deal and we heard that the players were the spanner in the works and they were the ones holding it up. But we never really knew why. And what your podcast does tells us tells us why and walks us through the process. The cool thing is there's no punches pulled. No one's trying to protect reputations here. I was quite amazed with some of the things David Kirk in particular had to say about New Zealand rugby. Yeah, and, 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 and look, to really get to the bottom of this, I needed to talk to the to, to the key people on both sides, staff, you know. So, um, you know, Brent Impey was very kind with his time, um, as was Mark Robinson. Um, uh, and so I spoke to, to them to get New Zealand rugby's perspective, as well as the RPA through David Kirk and Rob Nickel, and also a couple of other voices, Dylan Cleaver, a uh, well-respected media guy, as you know. He, he's the guy who broke the initial story, uh, wanted to understand how that came about, spoke to David Moffat, who was around with the Players Association, uh, was formed as the NZR CEO at the time, and his take. And then uh, I, I, I guess it's a little bit like yourself and your interest in podcast staff. I, I kind of felt that the way I needed to do it was to take the reader or the listener, I should say, on the, on a journey, mm. you know, to that they probably first needed to understand why this interested me. You know, what, why would you go on a journey with me? Um, and what are you, what are you trying to find out? And, and basically, the journey for me was, I really want to understand if this is a good deal or a bad deal, yep. um, uh, or somewhere in between. Um, I want to understand the truth of, of what was going on, um, uh, and we'll probably discover things as we go along. And, that, and that's what happened. I discovered things as I went along, things that actually quite concerned me, and and and. Um, and I felt that the rugby public hadn't really been told everything that that happened at the time. And you mentioned, you know, the sort of uh, how open people have been, which I'm grateful for. But there's one thing you've probably already picked up, staff, is there are wildly contrasting narratives yes. between uh, uh, RPA and NZR over this. Um, and and they, they go from, you know, everything from uh, the financial state of NZR at the time, where... Uh, NZR is arguing they've got a broken financial model and it's all going to fall apart, woe is me, and everything like that, to the Players Association who are saying, what the hell, you're growing at 8% a year in your revenue and you've got 100 mil in the bank and you're trying to tell us you're a busted business. There's bits of truth in both of those um, uh, staff, to be honest, and there's also contrasting narratives on who said what to when, and, and you know, NZR is convinced that it didn't leave RPA out of the conversation. RPA is completely the opposite. I'm kind of leaving listeners to try and make up their own mind as they come across the the things that maybe they didn't know about before. And you know, and an example of that was, uh, and we read next to nothing about it at the time, 
was there was an active move by NZR to curb the amount of income um, that, that the uh, the All Blacks and other uh, New Zealand professional players who play in super rugby teams could earn in the future. And it hadn't been discussed with the Players Association. And, it, you know, that that was a big moment for me to go, whoa, okay, this is interesting because I think that that... that uh, the RPA learning that and their perception that they were left out of the uh, private equity discussions until the very last moment and that they were basically being seen as being out of their lane for arguing against it, that, that's pretty profound in terms of the relationship because while NZR attracts all the noise and, and talk and the headlines and everything like that, I think the reality is, and this isn't, isn't just for New Zealand rugby, it's any professional sport anywhere in the world, the Players Association in that sport and the governing body are bound at the hip mm. and they need to work together. And um, one of the things that really came through quite strongly for me in putting this together is that New Zealand rugby is really dysfunctional across across it. I'm not talking New Zealand rugby, the organisation based down in Wellington, that's part of it. I'm talking about the entire New Zealand rugby ecosystem. It's massively dysfunctional, and you can actually see how this the Silver Lake thing ended up the way that it did, uh, so torturous and so difficult because it's so dysfunctional. And and you know, if you want, um, if, you, if if anybody wants to challenge me on proof of uh, of that, take a look at the Independence Governance Review. It's come to the same conclusion. You bang on. Something's going to have to be done. Um, I, I can't stress enough for people to just. Uh, I've learned a lot just from listening to the first three episodes. It's interesting, the name of the episodes, When Two Worlds Collide, A Spanner in the Works, A God Complex, I like that one, and the one I haven't listened to, I see it was released yesterday, A Betrayal of Trust. Um, there's no cotton wool put around any party, and I like that you've you've, you've remained impartial and, and, and you, you're exactly right. You've let the listener make up their own mind. Um, and a really good thing that you've done is at the end of the episode, I'm like, can't wait for the next one. Can't wait for the next one, which, which is cool. So when, like, I'm assuming you've recorded them all now and you're releasing them once a week. Um, without giving too much away, at the end of the sixth episode, um, are we going to be, okay, I get why it was such a sticky process now? Oh, look, I hope so. That, that that's That's the... The aim is to educate the listener in an entertaining way. Um, uh, what what re- really went down? Because look, at the end of the day, um, staff, and I'm sure you agree with this, is is that this, the game of rugby and the All Blacks means so much to us as a nation. You know, like um, where rightly or wrongly, um, we invest so much of ourselves, our national identity, in that game and in that team, and and they matter to us. Um, and when something matters to you, you, you get emotional, um, and, and that can be good and bad, right? I, I think that hopefully what comes through in the podcast, I think you see even in the first three episodes, that emotions sometimes get the better of, of, of people, um, and that doesn't make for clear-headed decisions. Mm. Um, but I also maintain emotions important, um, and, and I'm emotional about the All Blacks. I, I, I won't hide from that. And uh, being a guy who has uh, been more fortunate than other people and that I've been involved on the other side of sport, the administrative side, the corporate side, the, 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 the big money side, 
I'm incredibly sceptical about big money in sport. Uh, you know, as you know, Staff, I was involved with Super League. Well, that, that almost completely stuffed rugby league, and I still argue rugby league's still suffering uh, as a result of the Super League split. And, and I feel bad for my role in it now. And that's why I was always kind of sceptical about private equity. Mm. And, and to me, um, what I'm also hoping to do is educate the listener on, I'm not saying private equity can be a bad thing, um, but I'm not sure it's a good thing either. And when I see private equity coming in and trying to start things like the European um, Soccer League and um, uh, Super League the other, you know, a couple of years back, and I and I see what how private equity acts um, if things don't go the way they don't, uh, and it's money first, people second. Um, and I've in sport, uh, I've seen too much of that, and it's it, it, in my mind, it's ruined a lot of sports. So I, I deliberately, you know, am trying to provide listeners with as much information as possible over is private equity a good thing in sport or not? Um, and what's Silver Lake's record? Where, where, where do they sit? What, you know, do they genuinely bring value uh, or, or not? And, and, and I think that's, that's the key thing moving forward because I think the problem we've got at the moment, uh, Staff, is it's really, the jury's still out on whether this is a good deal or a bad deal because things to, there's more water that's got to go under the bridge. Um, so it's it's fair to say there's no definitive answer at the end of this. Was this a good deal or a bad deal? I, for me, the journey changed. Staff, it be more came about. The more I got into it, the more I got concerned about how dysfunctional the New Zealand rugby ecosystem is. That actually sort of climbed up in importance to me of what my future about the you know my concerns about the future are more so than. Uh, are Silver Lake and the Liberal or not? I, I just think we've got a really broken ecosystem, and this whole Silver Lake drama, as much as anything, reveals how dysfunctional the whole setup is. Yeah, you say dysfunctional, and I agree. And it's such an important game um, for the New Zealand landscape. And the word I had when, whenever I'm listening to an episode is disconnect. There's disconnect between New Zealand rugby and the Players Association, which represent our players. There's a disconnect, and I think a um, a disconnect between the fans and New Zealand rugby union, the, the, the governance of it, um, being talking about the game all day, every day on my show here, uh, the fans are just um, bewildered at, at, the, mm. at the ambivalence of New Zealand rugby and their treatment of the of the rugby fan, and but when we listen to you your podcast pieces of silver, I see it's not just with the fans in New Zealand rugby; it's New Zealand rugby and all of their relationships, uh, even provincial unions, um, past past chairs. Um, the the revelation I won't give it away. What David Kirk said that Brent Impey, when he opened up, when all the parties came to a Zoom meeting and he had his opening salvo, and David Kirk was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> it was it's very very concerning and as you say at the heart of it all is an all-black team that in the for the history is the most important sports team in New Zealand and you're quite right it's dysfunctional and it's broken yeah and and, and what concerns me and this goes to the lack of information at the time is that you know New Zealand built that uh, built the All Blacks you know the the All Blacks um, were built off a, a century plus of selfless um, 
people, you know, school teachers giving up time after school to do coaching, um, parents dutifully taking their kids to junior rugby every, every week, um, tuning into All Blacks and buying Sky subscriptions and getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning to watch Northern Hemisphere or South African tests. They're kind of a rite of passage, and that that, that investment by uh, New Zealanders over 130 years is what's what built the All Blacks. They're New Zealand's team. They don't belong to Silver Lake. They don't belong to um, New Zealand Rugby with a capital R um, in terms of a group of administrators sitting in, in Auckland and Wellington. They belong to the nation. And that's what really concerned me at the start of this. It was just so little information being shared. But um, but it's interesting, Staff, going back to your previous point. One of uh, A good mate of mine listened to the first episode. He rang me up afterwards. So I can see where this is heading. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I can see, and this is a guy who's pretty smart in business, and he said to me, um, over time, doesn't matter what business it is, but you see it really strong in sport. Um, he said, you, you have a situation where if there are problems um, and there are groups of stakeholders trying to sort them out, the, the, the group that has the most power and inevitably, that's normally the employer, right? Mm. They tend to look at everything through a lens of the other stakeholders of the problem, whether that's um, the employees, the, the the trade union, whatever they might be. Um, you know, people we have to work with overseas. They are the problem, um, and and if you look at it through that lens, it, it's kind of inevitable that there's going to be conflict, and that's that's kind of. Again, I'm trying to stay impartial, but there's a there's a bit of a um, a common thread through this that that um, that that ends up tend tended at that time to see everybody else as the problem. Yeah. The players are the problem. They're taking too much money. Um, uh, you know, the Aussies are, are the problem. You know, they're not competitive enough on the field. Um, uh, you know, the South Africans are the problem because they keep threatening to go north. Um, it's everybody else's problem, and and when that happens, you don't you don't look at yourself the way that you probably need to look at yourself, and and you know I'm kind of wondering if that's one of the if there's any lessons here that are maybe coming out of this that that's perhaps one um, where I'm in my sort of personal journey to understand and starting to land at is that doesn't matter what business you're in, um, staff, you've, particularly if you're the leaders, you've got to. I don't know that you can adopt the mentality that everybody else is the problem. Mm. The podcast is called Pieces of Silver, and I'm sure after this brief chat with Trevor McEwen, who's the creator of it, you will all go and subscribe and listen to it, download it. I, I do highly recommend it, just not because Trevor's a friend of mine, but because I have learnt so much in the first three episodes. Fourth episode is my listening tonight. Trevor, uh, I really appreciate your time today, mate. Uh, brilliant work so far. Thanks, Dan. There he is, Trevor McEwen, and that is our Enterprise feature interview of today. Uh, Enterprise, they are the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years, and that's not just a statement. Um, last year, 2022, they placed 2,800 people in work. They got offices in uh, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, uh, Invercargill. There might even be one in Waikato as well. Got a good staff, they're 50 years old, they really do know what they're doing when it comes to recruitment. So enterprise.co.nz, jump on there, have a look at the available jobs, or if you've got a job you want filled, let them do it. Enterprise, uh, improving people's lives for 50 years. There we are, uh, that is our key feature interview, thanks to Enterprise. 
Trevor McEwen, Pieces of Silver. Go and have a listen. We'll take a short break. <laughs> 